Welcome to Frank and Fearless with Kynwin McNeil, the podcast for business leaders with a growth mindset. To learn more about the design and execution of growth strategies, visit firstfollower.com. And now, your host, business strategist and Frank and Fearless advisor from First Follower, Kynwin McNeil. Hey, Frank and Fearless follower. Welcome to the podcast for business leaders with a growth mindset. I'm Kynwin McNeil and I'm the founder and managing director of First Follower. First Follower is an international consulting firm specialising in designing growth strategies for professional services organisations. We here at First Follower are known for our direct approach, our commercial acumen, and of course, our frank and fearless advice. So listeners, you will have heard from my previous podcast that I love to collect people. And today in the studio, I'm interviewing Clark Briggs, who is a fantastic member of my collection. So Clark and I met in 2018, actually, at Harvard Business School, where we were undertaking the Owner-President Management Program. Apart from being two of six Australians on the program, we immediately bonded over our growth mindsets and our desire to grow businesses successfully. Clark is the co-founder of CMC Group. CMC Group International are a multidisciplinary consultancy within the construction industry. And interestingly, they offer high caliber personnel who are both engineers and lawyers, a really unusual combination. CMC focus primarily on project advisory and commercial services not only across Australia, but ASPAC, and they're just about to go through a major acquisition and expansion across Asia, which is very exciting. So, Clark, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, Clark, you're quite an unusual combination skill set, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your story because becoming an engineer and a lawyer and using both in your day-to-day work is actually really unusual. How on earth did that come about? Minor correction, I've got a law degree, but I'm definitely not a lawyer. I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want to tarnish myself with that brush, probably for the benefit of my clients. I am obsessed with construction, would probably be the uh, the right way to describe it. My whole family's in it and has been for many, many generations or so. I found myself uh, entering the construction industry at around 18 years old. Whilst studying engineering um, over in Melbourne, uh, I fell further in love with the industry and uh, left university, uh, worked interstate uh, on large infrastructure and mining projects. Some were good, some were bad. The ones with the bad, the badder projects were the ones where I think most of the learning occurred. I had a project that went incredibly badly uh, and we wheeled the lawyers in. I found a niche in the market communicating between the engineers and the lawyers so trotted off and did a law degree and, and now specialise in providing that commercial support to projects and businesses within the industry. So so I love the way that you say, I just trotted off and did a law degree. Like that's something that an everyday normal person does, Clark. I've got a bad habit of that. I've promised my wife this is the last one. The last degree. Correct. Right. Well, we'll have to check in on that, M, and a little bit of a, a later <laughs> point. But you know, kind of identifying that niche in the market is something that business leaders with a growth mindset do extraordinarily well. And I mm. think you and I have recently completed some study where we kind of, the analogy that was taught to us was looking for that white space mm-hmm. on the playing field, so to speak. So what was it about that moment where you thought, actually, there's something missing 
in the service offering here? What was that moment? The ethos of our business is that we protect the small guy in the industry. Not to say we don't represent large companies, we do, uh, and we also represent governments. Uh, we probably get the most enjoyment out of representing privately held small subcontractors that are what's commonly termed uh, unsophisticated parties for a, to a contract. So they tell me a bit about that term. Well, they're they're people that are good at what they do. So they might be concreters, they might be drillers, they might be electricians. They're Did you fantastic. say unsophisticated? Unsophisticated. Sadly, that's the terminology that's commonly given to these size businesses. These businesses might turn over fifty to a hundred million dollars. So very wow. successful companies in their own right, but they've got the skill sets to build the jobs. They've got the skill sets to manage the jobs, but they don't have the skill sets to manage the jobs when they go uh, off the rails. That's probably the first construction pun. Uh, they go off the rails, <laughs> and so we provide the the engineering, the legal and the commercial support to ensure that those projects are delivered for that company successfully and, and they're not being unduly treated. So that's a really interesting concept. I've never heard that term, unsophisticated parties. Mm-hmm. And kind of sitting here, it's it actually feels quite insulting, but mm. knowing having worked across the construction sector from a government perspective and also with engineering clients, it's kind of insulting. The unsophistication is probably termed, used as a term for companies that don't have internal counsel. Right, uh, okay. Or that type of skill set within the business. Okay, Um, that makes sense. Big enough and ugly enough to look after themselves, um, usually be left alone. Companies that aren't will be treated a little bit better in the legal fraternity. So So let's talk a little bit about, you know, kind of your client base and why do you like working with that point in the market? Uh, you can make a real difference. Our ideal client would be a privately held business that's grown, you know, first or second generation business, fantastic skill sets, but just needing a little nudge from us to increase their chances of success. By no means do we do the heavy lifting. We don't. We mm-hmm. just make sure that they're not exposed to risk that they may not may not be ready to handle. But we thoroughly enjoy working with those businesses and supporting them. So you know, we work up and down the east coast and right across the country and moving into international at the moment. So it's an exciting time. It's been a really common theme across this the series of the podcasts that we've been doing as we've interviewed leaders of growth orientated businesses. And I think, you know, that's definitely something that we share in terms of the crossover of, of our client base is being able to make a difference within organisations that can't either necessarily afford to have this level mm. of expertise within their business full time. So building capability, but running a very, That'd you know, it's right. a very high end expertise driven service that has real commercial benefits for the clients. Mm. And, you know, so what what would be kind of, I guess, a typical day in the life of, actually, no, I'm going to say a typical week and airport journey time for you. <laughs> I Yeah, full disclosure, I spend a lot of time on a Qantas plane. Qantas I, aren't sponsoring the podcast, Qantas but they are not can. not sponsoring the podcast, <laughs> but they can. Um, I'm a massive advocate of face-to-face. Technology these days is making... Virtual communications easier, quicker. I'm not a fan of it. A lot of what I do is negotiation, uh, and that still involves a lot of emotion, um, body language. You need to know when to push. You need to know when to pull back. I enjoy the face-to-face communication, so I will always try to do most of my work 
with a client or with my client's clients face to face. So I would commonly be, I could be on site in the morning, I could be in the boardroom in the afternoon and, and most commonly in a dispute meeting at some stage through the day. So I argue and negotiate for a living at the moment. It's and I think, good fun. you know, I love that dichotomy of, of client bricks and also CMC is we've got, you know, people that can work at all elements. So it's like I can be down on site mm. talking to the bloke probably driving the forklift, probably, you know, kind of really at the coalface and then, you know, at a very high-powered mm. negotiation in the afternoon. So you as an individual, how do you kind of, what do you flip the switch? Like how do you kind of prepare mentally for that type of, that change in your day? I've always enjoyed the diversity in the industry. You can, there's people that earn silly amounts of money and there's people that are, are living hand-to-mouth. I guess the start of the the road construction industry was prisoners. It it takes all walks of life for the construction industry. I've always been able to, probably from an early age, also taught from my father to decorum is is key Mm -hmm. and respecting everyone. I'm mindful of my age in the industry. Um, By no means am I the the experience of some of the gentlemen and and women that I come up against or, or work with but always try to, to go in with an open mind and, and respectful to the situation that I'm in. Yeah, I, I really enjoy speaking to the bloke on the backhoe um, and the CEOs and owners of businesses. So. And, you know, you are, you are an absolute gentleman in terms of kind of, you know, how you treat people and just that respect. And, I, you know, there's that kind of um, that age-old saying of, you know, be nice to people on the way out because you see them again on the way down. And <laughs> you and I had a very funny negotiation experience we did, we um, did. where we were practicing our negotiation techniques against each other, which was pretty funny. But one of the lessons that we learned was you never actually know who you're going to end up with back on the other Very side true. of the table. So how you treat people in that first very negotiation true. is so important. It worked well. We're still sitting here together talking. This is very true. This is very true. I'm not sure how our um, our fellow students felt about us ending up negotiating <laughs> together, though. We never did well. Ne- it was a win-win. Never negotiate with Australians. It's, uh, no. it's, <laughs> it's not going to end well for the other party. But, you know, and I think you've built your business with your, with your business partner, mm-hmm really over the last half a decade. Mm-hmm. And being an entrepreneur and building your own business is at times really quite challenging. So especially when we've got that growth mindset and we want to grow fast and we want to achieve things, we want to make difference. You know, what have you learnt from that time to now? You need to know when to push opportunities and you definitely need to know when to pull the ripcord and get out. You need to give everything 100%. You, you cannot go into an opportunity half-hearted. It may not work out, great, move on to the next one. We commonly push into opportunities and, and lean very, very strongly into them. It gives us the ability to to push to see the opportunity, but if it doesn't work out, pull back, go to the next one. Rather than put all of our eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. we've usually got our bets hedged across different opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the things we were talking about earlier. Yeah. What about, you know, kind of building up the organisation? Because you're a significant, you know, significant-sized organisation, not just in terms of, you know, kind of the team but revenue as well, international expansion. How do you find your talent and, you know, kind of how do you cultivate that growth mindset or is that something you've kind of, you know, you're born with or can you can you foster it? I think Myself, I, I've always had a passion for pushing things. If I had my time over again, I'd, I'd do things harder and faster. 
Really? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I'm not me relaxing for me is reading a paper, watching the news, and probably doing an email. I, I'm not one to sit around idle. I do get myself in trouble. But the people we try to find that work with us, so Monty, my business partner, we try to find people that are, are driven um, by success. They enjoy success with others. It's not a mm. consulting is a solo industry, but you do need to win together. Yes. Uh, and we drive that culture in our business that, you know, working with us means you're working with a team. It's not just an individual. But we try to find people that have done it before and, and maybe not fulfilled all of their goals. A lot of our team are at the other end of the market. They're not fresh into it. We've, we've tried to yes. steer ourselves into more experienced individuals, which has been fantastic. They bring a wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. um, in all forms of the industry, um, whether it be safety or engineering or, or construction-related services. It, it's, it's beneficial to have people that have done it before. Um, I think if you're trying to grow, you can't have a team that's not done it before or they're doing it for the first time. I do love that because there are kind of so many different models where we've got, you know, kind of startup organisations that are, you know, might be very millennial driven. We've got a great idea. We've danced Mm. with unicorns on the hills Mm. and, you know, drunk the rainbows and we're going forth. Absolutely fantastic and power to them. I wish that I too could dance with unicorns. But that kind of sense of, you know, bringing the experience in the lateral hires to help you kind of Mm. build the plane, so to speak, is really important. What about, you know, I get to work with lots of engineers, as you know. I feel like. Uh, I know, I know. But there are some peculiarities mm-hmm. about engineers, particularly <laughs> consulting engineers, mm-hmm. and how they do their business development and their, their client management. What would be some of your insights? Oh, God. Uh, this, Go is not on. A, this is not a strong point of mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm squirming in my seat. He is. Is it okay to say one or two glasses of wine doesn't hurt? Um, <laughs> That's absolutely fine. It's, I, will, I probably now live by the mantra that it's easier to keep a client than to find a client. So spend your energies getting it, then spend more energies holding on to them. Yeah. Not a fan of finding new clients. No, and that's definitely a core philosophy of First Follower in terms of kind of how we approach our client engagement or client management strategies and that sense of, you know, it's much easier to, she says much easier. It's not much easier. It is slightly easier. It's much easier for the easier. business development. It <laughs> is easier for business development to, you know, grow and retain existing clients than it is to go out and say, you know, I would like to get X clients. And a really common scenario that that we face is often you get a new CEO or a new head of business development that's been tasked with growing their revenue by $10 million within X number of months and X, Y, and Z. And it's like, we just need more leads. We just need more leads. We need a better sales funnel. We need this and we need this. But it's actually going back to first principles, looking at the data where you're saying, actually, well, where is your money coming Mm. from? Who are the clients that really value your expertise and, you know, the difference that you make, exactly what you were talking about earlier in terms of, and this is what I love about CMC, is just, you know who your clients mm. are and who values what it is that you're bringing to their world. And that is the you know, absolute mantra of the right sort of clients for your business. Managing client attrition too, it, it, it's critical to understand if clients are, are not repeat clients, why? And, and there's always going to be clients that want one or two jobs and that's it, but mm. making sure they're not leaving for other reasons. No, and I think, you know, particularly with the services that, that you offer and your client base that, you know, they're buying that expertise in because they don't have that in-house. And if you're becoming that 
service provider to them and those advisors to them and representing them really well in the market, that is such a virtuous circle and that referral process which starts to happen after that. But also kind of building capability. I know that you do a lot of training for the industry as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something we're passionate about. We train for all, all walks of life within the industry, whether it's, you know, fresh in for the engineers, being at cost control, programming or how things are built, all the way through to, you know, how to read a contract for different purposes. Not everyone needs to read it to the same degree as a barrister. Mm-hmm. Understanding where some of the, the key risks lie and, and how to manage those key risks. Yeah, we, we thoroughly enjoy that that side of the business and it's a great way to, to find business. We have found mm-hmm. quite a few clients through our, our training um, and or training that, that our, our clients offer. It's, it's nice giving back. It's, you're talking to the grassroots of the industry a lot of the time and it's, it's good fun. Again, another really common theme around organisations that grow <coughs> really, um, you know, grow successfully. And it's interesting, an interview that we did earlier in the podcast where it talks about kind of a, a holistic approach to business and reminding entrepreneurs and founders the reason why they got into the business and you think about 18 year old Clark you know being incredibly passionate about the construction industry now you know kind of the better part of almost two decades on the you know kind of giving that back and you know kind of that next generation it's it's a really virtuous circle and I think a very powerful indicator of just how successful um, you've been within the industry. So Clark before we wrap up and I'm I'm totally going to put you on the spot now you work in a very high pressure environment and it's high stakes and I have negotiated against you and, you know, oh my goodness, I feel sorry for the other guys sometimes and women, but what's one of the funniest stories that you've got for us? Oh God, you have put me on the spot. I'm trying to think what's appropriate. <laughs> we haven't got an E for explicit. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, Mental bleak. Yeah, you've, you've put me right on the spot. I can't think of anything that's... Are you looking for something that's funny or obscure? You can choose whatever you like. I don't know. I've been in so many projects. As they're an unhealthy environment, construction jobs. It's what's the one that kind of stands out in your mind when you kind of like trawl back through the uh, annals of history? Uh, I spent a lot of time in coal mines and coal mining country up in um, central Queensland, living in mining camps. So, for those of you that, that may not know, a mining camp is is a patch of dirt in the middle of nowhere where they plonk some blokes to build a job. <laughs> and uh, it is fair to say some of the – I used to work on a lot of a lot less sleep than I currently need. Um, <laughs> but a great bunch of blokes up there, and men and women that build those projects. And, and uh, yeah, great times. I, I would recommend anyone spending some time outside of a city if they want to spend time in uh, in construction. It's a great environment to be exposed to uh, to more than you may be in the city. And, you know, construction at the moment costs, you know, certainly across ASPAC, we are absolutely in a construction boom at the moment and construction industry just crying out for skills and talent and expertise and, you know, kind of can't recommend your services highly enough, but also to really think about some of the elements that we've discussed today in terms of building a high-performance organisation with a growth mindset and having, you know, kind of really strong focus on capability, making a difference to your clients, you know, really leaving your fingerprints and and remembering where you're adding value along the value chain for the people that you are working with and, you know, kind of giving back into the industry. And I love that kind of training and capability 
building that um, CMC provides and mm. it's been absolutely terrific having you here today. I know that you were a little bit uncomfortable coming in for a chat, but it's been absolutely terrific. And Thank you for having me. wish you every success with your expansion over the next little bit and we'll have you back and hear how it's going. I look forward to it. Thank you for your time. Clark, thanks so much for joining us here on the Frank and Fearless podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you and hear all about how you began your career in the construction industry and have assisted many clients across the ASPAC region. I loved your insights about a growth mindset and taking the talent and really making a difference. Join us for our next podcast where I'll be speaking to Andy Hoyne. Andy is the founding principal of Hoyne and he's been working in and around the property sector for the past 25 years, helping major Australian and international developers and councils create recognisable landmarks across Australia. Andy is a highly sought after speaker and has some amazing insights about how he's grown his business over the past 25 years. I'm looking forward to having him join us. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Frank and Fearless. To stay connected, visit firstfollower.com or head to LinkedIn and connect with Kynwin McNeil directly and follow First Follower and win without pitching professional services. Thank you.